Every story in scripture awaits a response. I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas. And this is the 10th class in a series designed to cover the 17 periods of Bible history. This is not a verse-by-verse analysis. Rather, this is a survey of Bible history where we work through a timeline from Genesis all the way through Revelation at the end of the New Testament. And the purpose is to have the big picture well in mind. We are not covering each and every narrative. We are hitting the main events and periods of Old Testament history to discover what God is doing. Briefly, let's revisit what we have studied so far. Class number one, God's creative work, Adam and Eve's sin, the episode with Cain and Abel, and a genealogical table. This is all from the first five chapters in Genesis. Class number two, Noah and the flood. We read about the causes of the flood, the instructions God gave to Noah, the flood itself, and the aftermath. Class number three, the Tower of Babel, which explains the expansion God wanted of people into nations all spread out. Class number four is period number four, very important about Abraham, the promises God made to him, and those promises were transmitted or fulfilled through Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Period number five, class number five. Moses takes the people out of Egypt, obviously with God's help, out into the desert for their long journey toward the promised land. On that journey, they received the Ten Commandments. What is happening is God is slowly, but with purpose, fulfilling the promises made to Abraham to build a nation from his descendants, give them a land, and through them, the Savior would come to offer blessings for all. Class number six was about the Jewish people wandering in the wilderness because of their sin, 40 years. Class number seven was about Joshua and the conquest. Number eight, the judges period. And number nine, the United Kingdom period with coverage of the reigns of Saul, David, and Solomon. So this is class number 10 that covers period number 10 of the 17 periods of Bible history. If you are a Bible reader and student, you're not going to be surprised by the first statement that I make about this period of Old Testament history, the divided kingdom period. It is not easy to study. Not easy to study. Here's what that's about. In a typical history course, the outline or syllabus moves linear from left to right. You start at the beginning place for that segment of history, and you follow the line of events and people from left to right as you view a chart. That's mostly what we've been doing so far in this course of study. We use timelines that move from left to right 
with quick coverage of events and people moving through the Old Testament, the history of Israel, leading toward the time of Christ and the apostles. All of this a part of God's overall plan for mankind. It has looked something like this so far. Here's an example. You move along that line in a linear fashion, and then you come to a place where the line splits. I remember seeing charts or timelines like this when I was a kid in Bible class, and my first thought was, how in the world am I going to keep up with this? You move from Genesis over toward the United Kingdom period, pretty much in a straight line from left to right, and then the line is split, and you have the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom still left to right on a timeline, but you have two lines, two lines of historical narrative requiring either a harmony study that moves back and forth between the two, or what I'm going to do, we will talk in this class about the division, the beginning of it. Then we're going to concentrate some on the northern kingdom and what was happening there that didn't last very long compared to the southern kingdom. And then we'll take another class and talk about the southern kingdom of Judah up to the time of the captivity. Are you ready? Here's what happened. Let's get some background very carefully. The United Kingdom period in our most recent study covered the reigns of Saul, David, and Solomon. Something happened near the end of Solomon's life that had a chaotic and divisive result. Let me try to set the stage with some background. A number of critical issues collected together in a list describe what was happening near the end of Solomon's time. Moral weakness, political conflict, a very high tax burden, idolatry. Solomon was in pursuit of a man, Jeroboam. Rehoboam is set to be Solomon's successor. All these elements that lead to division are at work at the same time, and that's the scene as Solomon dies. Part of this was a prophecy issued by Ahijah that God would use all of this for his higher purposes, and it would involve Jeroboam. So coming to 1 Kings 12, you know there's going to be trouble. This division is anticipated by all of the things that were going on near the end of Solomon's life and the prophecy of Ahijah along with all that. You know something's going to happen. And that brings us now to 1 Kings chapter 12. I need to read verses 1 through 19 in 1 Kings chapter 12. Please find that in your Bible. 1 Kings chapter 12, I'm going to start at verse 1. Rehoboam 
went to Shechem, for all Israel had come to Shechem to make him king. And as soon as Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard of it, for he was still in Egypt, where he had fled from King Solomon, then Jeroboam returned from Egypt. And they sent and called him, and Jeroboam and all the assembly of Israel came and said to Rehoboam, Your father made our yoke heavy. Now therefore lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke on us, and we will serve you. He said to them, Go away for three days, then come again to me. So the people went away. I'm going to continue at verse 6 in just a minute. Let's take this in so far in 1 Kings 12, the opening verses. There is this assembly in Shechem when Rehoboam is about to take over, and the people of the ten tribes speak up that they are too heavily taxed. The message is, if I may use these paraphrases that sound familiar, no new taxes. But more than that, beyond that, they really wanted the taxes to be lowered and the burdens, the workload trimmed back. Rehoboam says he needs a few days to think about this. Let's continue at verse 6. Lots of reading here, but this is critical to our understanding of this division of north and south. Then King Rehoboam took counsel with the old men who had stood before Solomon his father while he was still alive, saying, How do you advise me to answer this people? And they said to him, If you will be a servant to this people today and serve them and speak good words to them, when you answer them, then they will be your servants forever. But he abandoned the counsel that the old men gave him and took counsel with the young men who had grown up with him and stood before him. And he said to them, why do you advise, I'm sorry, what do you advise that we answer this people who have said to me, lighten the yoke that your father put on us? And the young men who had grown up with him said to him, thus, Shall you speak to this people who said to you, Your father made our yoke heavy, but you lighten it for us. Thus you shall say to them, My little finger is thicker than my father's thigh. And now, whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day, and the king said, Come to me again the third day. And the king answered the people harshly. And forsaking the counsel that the old men had given him, he spoke to them according to the counsel of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So the king did not listen to the people, for it was a turn of affairs brought about by the Lord that he might fulfill his word, which the Lord spoke by 
Ahijah, the Shilonite, to Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. And when all Israel saw that the king did not listen to them, the people answered the king, What portion do we have in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel, look now to your own house, David. So Israel went to their tents, but Rehoboam reigned over the people of Israel who lived in the cities of Judah. Then King Rehoboam sent Adoram, who was taskmaster over the forced labor, and all Israel stoned him to death with stones. And King Rehoboam hurried to mount his chariot to flee to Jerusalem. So Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. So many aspects of this division, this time in Israelite history. You've got all these factors of decline that I listed earlier. Now you have Rehoboam not only refusing to lessen the burden on the people. No, he's pledging to increase the burden, not only in taxes, but in punishment and workload. My father made your yoke heavy. I will make it even heavier, he said. That's the platform of Solomon's son, Rehoboam. And what happens is the 10 tribes vote with their feet, aligning themselves with Jeroboam, in the north. As Ahijah had said, the nation is torn like a garment. So that gives you some background on how the United Kingdom became the divided kingdom. Maps and charts help us visualize and better understand this time period. Uh, this is what division looks like on a map. You can see here more land is held by the northern kingdom. You see there Israel, 10 tribes, Jeroboam in the blue. Obviously, they have the majority of tribes. This kind of map helps me keep in perspective the geographic location, but on the right, that helps me to keep it straight about these two men, Jeroboam in the north, Rehoboam in the south. Then we have a variety of charts available from many different sources about the kings, two lines of kings. You have the kings of the north, you see there on the left part of that chart, and you have the kings of the south on the right. And sometimes this is referred to as Israel, north, on the left, Judah south on the right. Now, I want you to notice something on this slide. The point is to stress that the better kings served in the southern kingdom of Judah. They were descendants of David. Notice the kings highlighted with gray shading over on the right. Kings of Judah are good kings without any implication of perfection but they were good kings who did some good things. The lighter gray is sort of a downgrade from the better kings. Then notice on the left, in the northern kingdom of Israel, 
With maybe one exception, the kings were not faithful to the Lord and not in the lineage of David, practicing idolatry. So you have a mixture of good and bad and some in between. And this becomes apparent as you read through the text about the divided kingdom. The northern kingdom did not have as long a life as the southern. Let's talk about the northern kingdom for a few minutes. Those people in the north called Israel experienced chaos, ruled by terrible men. Very often there was the murder of rivals. There was idolatry at a very deep and ugly level, changing the place of worship for the purpose of political convenience for Jeroboam. The author of Kings uses the expression, the sins of the house of Jeroboam. And that very much describes the conditions in the northern kingdom. As to prophets, Elijah and Elisha did their work during this time and in this place. Uh, there is the familiar story of Naaman and then the fall of the northern kingdom at the hands of the Assyrians. Several other interesting revealing narratives inside this period. Uh, you have the story of Ahab and Jezebel. Uh, I mentioned Naaman the leper. I need to bring this up. Jeroboam did not want his people to go to Jerusalem to worship. So he set up places of worship in Dan and Bethel. And this was, of course, idolatry. Jeroboam uh, is a man who acts out of ambition, political convenience, and obviously disregard for God and God's plan. Judah, the southern kingdom, continues the dynasty of David first with Rehoboam after Solomon. Some of Judah's kings were faithful. The southern kingdom lasted longer, but was taken by the Babylonians in 586. In the next class, which would be Sunday, October 18, we will consider in more detail the kings of the south, men like Hezekiah, Manasseh, Josiah, some of the prophets, and then the Babylonian captivity. So this has been a summary of the divided kingdom time period with some coverage of how it all started and what happened in the north. Lessons. I have three. If you reap what you sow and you don't like the harvest, you need to go back and sow better seed. Let me say that again. If you reap what you sow and you don't like the harvest, you need to go back and sow better seed. People keep making the same mistakes. Sowing the same bad seed and then complaining about what happens. We saw this repeated over and over again in the book of Judges, idolatry, forgetting God, immorality, materialism, generally ignoring their commitment to God, not keeping the covenant, and then complaining about the consequences. The lesson, what's illustrated is, if you don't like the outcome, change what you're doing. If you reap what you sow and you don't like the harvest, you need to go back and sow better seed. 
In our case, we need to sow the seed of the gospel in our hearts and lives and let that seed produce good fruit. Political convenience. Political convenience is never a pathway to God. Jeroboam erected a new place of worship, fearing that his people would return to Jerusalem. Political convenience is never a pathway to God. In fact, political convenience was part of what led to idolatry in the northern kingdom. As we go through Old Testament history, we need to learn from both good and bad examples. If there are in this period of history, good kings and bad, for us that means opportunity to learn good things from the good ones and learn to avoid what the bad ones did. And then I want to say this, the divided kingdom period is harsh, it is fast-paced, it is tragic, you're following two lines of history, but God used the folly of men to continue his work or his plan to send Christ from the Jewish nation to offer spiritual blessing to all men. Thank you for listening.